No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. On behalf of the Lifehack team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the Lifehack channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We have uh, an amazing session planned for you today. We brought uh, some of the most powerful voices that uh, you will hear this weekend. And that is the voices of our sisters who have been working tirelessly in the da'wah. They've taken leadership roles. They've taken initiatives. They've set examples. Um, they've uh, been in the thick of things representing Islam with strength and dignity. And so uh, it's actually an honor to have all these sisters together in this panel. And we're actually going to discuss uh, many of the issues and focus on a lot of the issues that the sisters uh, are facing and come up with, inshallah, pragmatic and practical, hopefully, advices and solutions. And to help us do that is we have uh, with us Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad, uh, the one, the only Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad, mashallah, and uh, it's always a pleasure having him with us and uh, for him also to help in the conversation and uh, contribute with his advice and his, of course, his knowledge. So I want to start off uh, things uh, out of the gate running. And so I want to talk to the sisters here. And uh, I want to ask you, especially since you've been fresh off United Islam Awareness Week, what uh, are the greatest challenges in the da'wah specifically facing the sisters? I can address this first, um, if that's okay. So, um, Jazakumaka and Dr. Sayed for your question. Um, that's greatly appreciated. Um, I think, you know, one of the main challenges I think that we can speak to as, as women in Dawa is I think that there is um, a lot of push and pull in different ideologies and in, in the identity of a woman. So I think, you know, on one half, you kind of have um, really strong um, set of cultural values from from whether it's Western culture or, our, you know, some of the cultures that we've grown up in with our families, that kind of being imposed as well as um, the other extreme of maybe feminist values that are being imposed. And then um, we also have, of course, you know, our Islamic values and, and, and those kinds of pieces of what our, our role should be, and especially in giving dawah. So I think Think that that is a really big challenge in the push and pull of you know our hearts and minds um, and those kinds of different identities creeping in and those different ideologies. Any other sisters want to come in? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I can move. Uh, I can agree with what Rabia said, and I also think there's a challenge in trying to get other sisters and other youth trying to get really interested in dawah work as well, because a lot of them view it as you know it's not culturally popular or it's shifting away from what I like. So then they're not really prone to being interested in that and that does hinder the efforts that we're trying to do for those future generations as well. Uh, Sheikh uh, Murada, maybe you can get in here as well and uh, and you can comment on uh, some of the things that the sisters are are saying here. Of course, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once again, always a pleasure to be here uh, with you all. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless each and every one of you and give you khayr in dunya and in the akhirah. Ameen. And just a dua for everyone in the 
the face of this pandemic, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the difficulties and harms that we face and to replace it with khair, inshallah, and that each and every one of us uh, would become stronger, uh, you know, with all that we've faced and that we would no doubt strive towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a more uh, persistent way after all of this. I mean, um, the, the issue of, uh, you know, I mean, this whole issue in of itself is one, I think, that is commonly discussed. Um, in specific, the issue of culture versus faith. And when it comes to women's rights, the roles, um, what does culture dictate? What is its state? And then what it as well, what is the faith, your Islamic faith? What is its state? Uh, what I found more often than not, subhanAllah, is that, um, you know, uh, people genuinely are unaware of what our faith teaches about the roles, duties, responsibilities of women. And uh, more or less it's skewed with the public perception that we see in the media that Muslim women are oppressed, Muslim women don't have these rights, and so on and so forth. But if we're to go back to the Quran and Sunnah to inquire genuinely as to what rights are, uh, you know, belong to the woman, what are they required to do? Um, you'll find that there's a big gap between what culture dictates, what we've been brought up with, versus what is in the Islamic faith. And, you know, I, I think one of the greatest examples of this is in terms of uh, marriage. Uh, you're going to find a cultural take on marriage, and, uh, you know, you're going to find a strong Islamic take on marriage. And the sad thing is, although we've been taught, we repeat often the words of Rasulullah wasallam. in specific, the hadith, فَإِنَّهَا where the Prophet wasallam said, leave it aside for it is rotten. And of course, he was referring to one, you know, being attached to culture in that negative way. It's not that culture is bad. No, culture has good parts to it, definitely. But when, uh, you know, being attached to a cultural, you can say, uh, norm uh, goes against the Islamic teachings and that's when it's considered a bad, inappropriate thing. So the Prophet is telling us, Don't hold on firmly to these cultural practices and norms that contradict Islamic teachings. The sad thing is, and I've come across this multiple times across almost every single city that I've been to, where, you know, people believe culture to be the true Islamic teaching. So when they're actually given the hadith of Rasulullah or an ayah of the Quran, leave the hadith, an ayah of the Quran, they're ready to reject all of that putting it aside as though it's nothing on account of what they were brought up with and what their forefathers taught them and what their culture dictates upon them. And it's wallahi very sad, but this is a reality. It can only be removed and rectified when you know, we kind of strive to educating ourselves and imparting that ilm upon the future generations. Now, what the, one of the sisters said that it's not culturally popular. Um, you know, that, that is true as well. You'll find, you know, uh, Islam in general, sometimes the faith aspects of it not being culturally popular, not fitting in with the narrative of today, subhanAllah. And you'll find people putting aside parts of their faith because they feel that if they hold to this to their faith, they're going to appear out of place. Can I clarify something uh, with the sisters, uh, Sheikh? When you mentioned that it's not culturally popular, sisters, uh, is that in reference to exclusively, uh, you know, Muslims, uh, you know, cultural from Muslim countries, or do you, or are you also talking about uh, the dominant prevailing culture here in North America? So, are you talking about uh, just the Muslim culture, or are you saying it's culturally also not po popular uh, from a 
uh, you know, um, Canadian perspective, like a Canadian cultural perspective? Yeah, I think um, I would say kind of both, I think, culturally. Yes. I think definitely where we are in the West. Um, I agree. I, I don't think it's just uh, specifically uh, targeted towards, like, um, like you said, both some countries, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's both. What do you, what do you feel um, is the most resistant for like your involvement in the Dawa? Do you feel uh, like culture from uh, countries for, you know, where like, you know, a lot of our forefathers uh, immigrated from, uh, do you feel that that is the most resistant uh, for you to be involved in the Dawa or the culture that we see here uh, being born and raised in Canada? What do you think is the most resistance to you in terms of like doing the Dawa or getting involved or taking a role? I think, um, well, for me specifically, probably the West uh, and like where we are here growing up. Um, mm -hmm. It's not something that's outwardly um, in like you're not invited to do that. Um, and we can see even just by having like, you know, did a some awareness week, that's it's not something that's accepted. It's not not wanted people just don't want to accept it so i think um yeah we're, we're being much more pushed away here where we're mm. so-called different and not normal so Ekura, you want to jump in too i i see that you have some comment uh, sure i actually thought it was the other around or at least for me i feel the muslim mm. culture is harder to overcome simply because of the ignorance so for with like the um, western culture once you have the confidence and the education to understand that your religion is the truth it's very much easy to um, bring your religion forward in a non-muslim setting but then with people of the same culture you face a different um, level of difficulty altogether the challenge isn't that there isn't um, a that they lack the education. It's just that they do not want to take part, and that becomes difficult, mm -hmm. especially when mm -hmm. you're trying to do events and you're trying to like push towards dollar work. There will be mm -hmm. people who question why. Why is this necessary? And that mm -hmm. question becomes so much harder to answer when it comes from other Muslims, and it brings down the overall morale. So we end up discussing issues like um, we end up discussing issues once they happen. So like the Switzerland ban on the hijab, we'll discuss it once it's happened. But in the mm -hmm. Muslim community, we won't take the opportunity to teach about modesty ahead of time mm -hmm. to talk about why these issues are important. So we're so reactive and people will only step up when it's a reaction instead of being proactive about it. And that's the difficulty mm. in dealing with like the Muslim community. Do you, well, you know, I I find that interesting. So Saraya is saying that she finds the dominant culture here in the West the most resistant. You're saying, you know, the your uh, you know the culture that you feel from uh, you know our, our our parents' home uh, like homeland. Now, I I, I want to ask a question. Maybe you can find out the root cause of like this difference of your experiences. Um. Iqra, do you feel more a part of your parents' culture or do you feel more a part of Western culture? 
I would say I feel more part of the Western culture in the sense that um, the Pakistani culture has a lot of roots. It has many good things, but it has a lot of roots from British colonialism and from Hinduism. So when you account for that, you understand that there's a lot of innovation taking part. So coming to Canada, I was able to distinguish between what is Islam and what is culture. And so in that sense, I'm not very close to the Pakistani culture and their traditions. But at the same time, um, in terms of Western culture, I also don't agree with many of like um, ideologies like feminism. So I don't know mm. where I would fall. No, no, you know what I would say, a better way for me to phrase that is which culture do you find more influential in your life? Like what kind of food are you eating at home? What kind of dress are you doing? Like what kind of arts and culture? Of course, Pakistani culture, right? That's what I'm trying to get down to is that you feel like you understand what I'm saying? Like if you grew up here and you're like you're exposed to Western music and you're always wearing Western dress and you're eating mac and cheese, you know, for lunch, dinner or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean? So then maybe perhaps then when you feel more part of the Western culture, you're going to feel more resistance. So maybe uh, that's uh, I'm trying to find out why like your experiences are are a little bit different. Like, you know, one's like, OK, I'm getting the most resistance because, of course, Islam can live in any culture. But like the culture in and of itself, if it doesn't have Islam, is going to be resistant to I Islam. That, you know, that's that's what I'm kind of perceiving. Uh, Rida, what do you have to say about that? I would have to agree with Sister Ikra that, you know, it's easier for us to um, fall into that frame because at home, we obviously eat biryani and paratha at home. And then, you know, outside we have the Western culture. And, you know, coming from Ikra's point of view, it's, it's harder to deal with the own Muslim community because, like I believe uh, Murat said, you're battling, you know, my forefather did this, they did that, I will continue to do that. And they forget the Quran and Sunnah at the end of the day. And I think that's a really big issue. Uh, Fiza, can I get you into the conversation as well? What what um, do you think are effective ways of um, Muslims forging their own identity uh, in the midst of all these cultural influences? Um, I think that one thing would be to first and foremost educate yourself because mm -hmm. for me like gaining that education about Islam is what made me realize that certain things we were doing on an everyday basis weren't correct. Secondly, it's like you don't don't compromise your faith. Like if there's a certain thing you cannot do, you have to step away and say, um, you guys are my family, you're my culture, and I love this, but um, I'm not going to be a part of that. And if you don't force it on other people, like, I've noticed that the biggest moments when people are given the most impactful dawah is when people are just kind of suddenly showing it in their character and in their actions. So if you do it in that way, over, I feel, a long period of time, and you just show, you do it in the best way possible, and you have patience, obviously, then other people start to recognize she's not going to compromise her faith for her culture. And that's something that I should respect and perhaps apply as well. So, Sarah, actually, if I could get a comment from you, uh, you know, based to build upon what Fiza said, 
is that, you know, if we are going to challenge cultural norms, especially if it's coming from our parents, you know, who are setting the tone, uh, have you found yourself in a situation where you're trying to do this balancing act of like doing what you think is right and not disrespecting your parents when you challenge them? Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? And how have you dealt with it? Mm -hmm, definitely, yeah. Especially, I think in the in the context of Dawa too, it's often like you're doing too much Dawa, but to us it really feels like too little Dawa. I know, like earlier at the booth, some of the sisters were talking, and like we feel things that you know, like Salah and Hijab are are the bare minimum. And so when you know, we often try to do more than that. When we really try to do that. Dawa, that's an obligation upon us. It is meant by resistance from our families. And I think uh, for myself, I find if I explain um, to my parents and to my family, you know, what is the purpose and they actually see the impact, um, especially with UIW, when you see, you know, sisters who start wearing hijab and, you know, perhaps taking shahada and they actually see that impact. Um, I just try to like explain to them and communicate to them and also try to get them involved. So, you know, that could be as simple as taking the lecture and setting it up in the living room um, on the TV so everyone can listen together or bringing those conversations onto the dinner table. Uh, I think it's hard if we just try to like force it on them or, you know, if, you know, we're in a conference or we're away for a while and they don't really know what we're doing. Um, I find that if I involve them and invite them to these things and, you know, share that with them, then um, like they've been a lot more understanding and, and even asking more about it and getting involved in that way. Sheikh Murad, I want to get your advice in here as well now. Uh, you know, even coming from a fiqh perspective, you know, obviously in the fiqh, we respect culture, right, to uh, a degree. Uh, how, how, how do we um, move forward with um, cultural, negative, you could say, cultural influences that are preventing our sisters uh, from taking significant roles in the da'wah or being able to uh, bring the consistency that's required oftentimes uh, to achieve, uh, you know, sometimes goals within the da'wah. Well, Sheikhna, I think, subhanAllah, uh, what the sisters have mentioned are very important. Important first steps to basically address the issue of culture and how to balance that culture, Islamic dynamic within the home, within everyone's life. But I'll just add two points to what they've mentioned because, mashallah, they've mentioned, I think, what would suffice in this topic. But overall, we do have a guideline that states this is a general guideline uh, which states, in general, in a rough translation, that the cultural norms can be held and lived with as long as they don't contradict Islam. So, in essence, of course, we all live with cultures, we all have our unique cultural makeup, our background, what we're used to. It's not that this is all haram. No, you live with it. But as long as it does not go against the Islamic teachings, you're good. Alhamdulillah. Like I said, there's certain flashpoints where we have topics that do come up. And at those in those areas, we have to be very careful that we don't toss aside Islamic teachings for the sake of culture. That's the first point. Second of all, I mean, in terms of balancing, you know, the culture with our parents, because our parents most likely are more culturally in tuned and they're more attached to culture than we are. I mean, being born over here in the West, you know, our cultural attachment has really been diluted I mean, almost entirely at times. So how do we go about addressing our parents who may think that we're doing too much da'wah, that we should basically tone everything down, you know, adhere to what they're doing? I would say, although you might want to, you know, basically to 
you know, diverge and go away from them, do have a respectful approach when you deal with them. So that would entail, for example, um, you know, uh, going about this in a very wise way. And I'll share with you one hadith to kind of clarify my point. You know, the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ was approached by a man who wanted to go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rasulullah said to him, uh, you know, uh, in, that, in that conversation, who have you left behind? He said, my mother and my father who are both crying. He said to, to that companion, no, don't come with us. You go back to your mother and father and make them happy as you made them sad. So in essence, you know, to prioritize at times that relationship to kind of build it strong between yourself and your parents, keeping in mind always that in the end, we prioritize Allah as a first, but then we're not to be rude or disrespectful to our parents. We do what we must. We perform the duty of da'wah, maybe in different ways. It might not be in person, but it could be online. Alhamdulillah, there's so many options, opportunities before us. Uh, Rabia, I'm going to pivot here to another topic and uh, it might be a little bit uh, controversial. It may or may not be. I think it depends on your perspective. But uh, are you a feminist? Why or why not? Um, that's a great question. Um, no, uh, I don't label myself as a feminist. Um, I think it's really important when we label ourselves as ideologies to choose that which you agree with holistically in all forms. And um, as a Muslim, mm -hmm. um, my identity is I'm a Muslim. So no, I wouldn't label myself as a feminist. Um, in terms of why or why not? Um, well, first things first, like when you say that you're a Muslim, that means that in every aspect of your life, you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You believe that Islam is um, the way of life for every aspect. So in that sense, when I'm identifying myself, I'm a Muslim first and foremost and, and always. Um, I think the piece of feminism is um, that's a different ideology. So for me, I really see it as... Um, mutually exclusive. I don't think that you can have Islam as an ideology and then also believe in another ideology. Um, so mm. I think when it comes to feminism, I think if the idea is, um, you know, I think I where I think that comes from really is I think in the West where there wasn't Islam, there were different systems in place that were quite oppressive towards women. They pivoted to something that would bring about honor to the women. So they chose feminism. But for us, Islam was that ideology that in and of itself was not oppressive to women. So we did not need to search for in or invent another ideology. So I think that's where it comes about from. Um, so yeah, mm. that's that's kind of the way I would explain it for myself. Mm. Uh, Iqra, what do you think? Do you think uh, feminism uh, will uh, is the key to advance the cause for women? I do not think so. Um, if you look at the first wave of feminism, the mm -hmm. woman Helen Gardner, I believe her name was, she clearly said that she believed everything that was sorry, everything that was happening to women was because of the Bible, what the Bible mm -hmm. said. So mm -hmm. inherently, this is a reaction to the Christianity of uh, to Christian and their um, and, and ability to practice their religion to the fullest extent and give women the right that they are, that they should have. Islam does that, so mm -hmm. we don't need to have that ideology since our religion does um, give women the right um, to believe. Sorry to practice uh, the religion to the fullest extent and gives them rights that they need. Uh, Suraya, do you think uh, feminism will cause more harm harmony between the genders or do you think it'll cause less harmony between the genders, between men and women? 
I think, um, I think less. I think, I mean, if you look at what feminism is or what it's supposed to be, it's about being equal, I guess, in that sense. But I think the way we see feminism now today, it's more about trying to overpower, like one being overpowering the other. Um, and so I think it's causing more of a disbalance. Um, and like how Ikra said, like, it was interesting because I was going to say about the history of it, but like for Islam, like Islam gave women rights way before anybody else. And so that like, yeah, I would say definitely disharmonize it more than harmonize it for sure. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, a follow-up to that. If, um, if feminism isn't the uh, way to advance the cause of women, what would your advice be then to women at large? You know, you just had an Islam Awareness Week, uh, men and women, but now if you're addressing just all women, both Muslim women and non-Muslim women, how would you, what, what advice would you give them or what alternative do you, would you present to them in lieu of feminism? Well, uh, first and foremost, I would say to show respect to the other gender as well. You know, many of the time we focus too much on uh, women's right that we overlook, you know, showing respect to the other gender at the end of the day. And what they need to also look at is, um, again, the Muslim woman, right? Look at Khadija, how she handled many, many things during her period. Look at the other Sahabia. They are a lesson and a way for us to look up to them and see how they handle things. They had many issues that we currently struggle with too. You know, it's not always about me or one person or the other. It's about working together towards one goal, you know, and as someone who has brothers, I see what they're struggling through, you know. I can't always be me, 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 you know. It has to be us working together as a team, and that's the way it should be at the end of the day. Fiza, uh, I, want, I want your opinion. Do you feel sometimes uh, Western rhetoric can come across as condescending towards Muslim women because on one hand uh, it's all about like elevating minorities but on the other hand um, you know sometimes you have to strip yourself of your identity so do you find some type of condescension with the way sometimes Muslim women are addressed uh, in the media even when with uh, quote-unquote sympathetic voices I think definitely there's always a misportrayal of Muslim women. And if you think about the kind of noble rights and respect that Islam gives women, and you contrast that with how we perceive um, women's rights in the Western media today, it's very, very different. I think that from an Islamic perspective, it's much more noble, it's much more righteous. But today's perspective is more like, yell and make people have uh, give you their attention so i think definitely even when muslim women who are i think you call sympathetic um when portrayed on the media it's still not that same they're compromising their beliefs oftentimes and you don't see their muslim identity shining through you mostly see a cultural sort of thing like wearing the hijab as a cultural thing um they mm. mostly tokenize them and i feel like that really washed mm. away the respect that muslim women ought to have today uh, as a follow-up Sarish, how how can we raise like what can we do as a community 
to support and raise the voice of uh, Muslim women so that they can speak for themselves and others aren't speaking for them? I think, I, honestly, I think we need to elevate our own voices. I think platforms like these and us uplifting our own Muslim women is, is honestly the key. I think sometimes we always look to, um, you know, the West to uplift us and we always look for representation in, in movies and TV shows and things like that. But that's not where we're going to find our validation and that's not where we're going to find the space to elevate our voices. Um, so I think mm -hmm. platforms like these are amazing. Even just, uh, you know, this past week, UIW, I know a lot of sisters felt empowered where we could talk about hijab and what it means to us and and take that narrative back into our own hands as Muslim women. I think that's inshallah going to be the, the best way to do that. Uh, Sheikh uh, Murad, um, as a follow-up, you know, I have a comment and then maybe I can get your insight on this. What I find, not just with Muslim women, but, but with men, like good people often don't like are, you know, standing up and trying to get all the attention. They're not like, you know, craving the attention, you know. And usually uh, with piety, oftentimes, you know, people are more shy, humble. So oftentimes I see good sisters, awesome sisters, but they refrain from taking uh, a speaking role or or saying the truth or being on the forefront. What advice would you give to to people like this? Because I've seen this with the brothers as some brothers as well. It's like, oh, such a good brother. It's like, no, no, brother, I don't want to go speak. I don't want to be in front of people. You know, it's a fitna for me. You know, things like that, right? So on one hand, yeah, it can be, uh, there. there is fitna involved in being in the public eye. But what advice would you have? Because I remember a sister... Because oftentimes, the way that what you have to deal with uh, being in front of people or, you know, trying to have your voice heard, there are challenges associated with that uh, that are internal, right? Like in terms of your nafs, in terms of like, I'm a good person, I believe in Allah, I have a strong identity. And, uh, and as a result, just your character is not um, so boisterous or aggressive were ambitious in terms of trying to seek speaking roles. Like I remember um, it was perhaps two years ago where we had, or uh, maybe was it the last conference that we had a year ago, where one of the sisters who was there as a speaker uh, was being criticized by an audience member. Or she was actually criticizing the organizers by saying, how come the sister's picture was not on the poster? And the sister herself answered the question by saying, I did not want my picture on the poster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because there's like a narrative oftentimes it's like, okay, we got to be uh, like, you know, people are just kind of forced into this thing, right? But the sister, mashallah, was very sincere. She did an amazing presentation. Uh, she did exclusive ones for the sister. She also addressed like the whole audience. But you can, t I, I, I noticed this, like people like her who have this shyness and humbleness um, are often you know, we don't elevate them and they won't elevate themselves. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not like they're going to go speak out in front of people because they're just not like that. They're not just seeking attention. And then uh, we, you know, oftentimes don't give people like that uh, proper uh, attention and value. So, uh, you know, how can we kind of come, you know, deal with this from like, on one hand, maybe like, uh, you know, the individual uh, saying, hey, listen, um, you know, as part of Tasqiyat and Nafs, but we need you to stand up and how can we, you know, promote and protect people like this? 
So, Jazakallah khair. I have, um, if you don't mind, there's one point that ties in with the sisters, what they've mentioned before. Just a quick little yeah. point to add on to what they've mentioned regarding, you know, the feminism and uh, when you ask them. I, I want to add to that conversation by saying that, you know, culturally speaking, there are times where sisters are genuinely oppressed and we don't, we can't deny that. I mean, we've seen possibly examples, first, second, third hand, whatever it be. Uh, the reality is, and this is the sad thing, people abuse the textual evidences of the Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah What I mean by that, you'll have an ayah, uh, for example, and other ayat like this, right? Where a person would look at this and interpret this in, in terms of his, you know, worldview. You know what? I believe that I am the boss. I am the guy that's in charge. Everyone under underneath me must, must submit and be subservient to me. Uh, of course, this is absolutely erroneous, but where did it come from? He'll say, Allah says this, but then in reality, he's taken that uh, ayah, maybe that hadith, and there are many that can be taken out of context, misinterpreted this in, in, in relation to his worldview, and now he's imposing this unjustly upon those who live with him, his wife, uh, his children, his, his you know, women folk in general. And this is sad. So I do agree with one of the sisters who said that one way to counter this is by education. Yes, education is number one in terms of countering this ignorant narrative. So that's the one on the one side. The second thing is in terms of sisters, you know, um, how they can elevate themselves and, you know, inshallah, take that, that lead. And I have nothing more to say than the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his words, I mean, in the hadith, where he spoke of uh, what would take place towards the end of time. He mentioned that uh, the good people would not step forward, they would be lost, the scholars would, would, would die. Mm -hmm. And thereafter, people would promote, now if you look at the wording, people would promote among themselves or from themselves, uh, those who are ignorant and then they would basically make them leaders within the community and they would speak on behalf of everyone else When scholars die, it doesn't mean that knowledge is gone hundred percent. There are du'at There are people who they would no doubt have knowledge would have a ma'rifah But because they're not stepping up, they're not taking a leading role We now are in this dilemma whereby we have ignorant people now stepping up leading that narrative uh, Taking the charge and now we're down this path. that's really destructive Allah so I would encourage sisters, mm -hmm. anyone who has that ability, that innate ability to speak out, has knowledge, you know, mashallah, can uh, lead by example to come step forward and take that role. Don't stand back because more often than not, you'll see people coming forward who are ignorant, who would take that lead position and then give their own narrative into what they believe Islam should be like or how they can reform Islam. Allah mm -hmm. Zama you know, uh, I like the uh, statement that you made in terms of setting an example. And a lot of sisters are out there and they don't know how to get involved in the dawah. Maybe perhaps because it's not very visible, uh, the contributions that good principal sisters like yourselves make. So I want to actually just take a moment here to just go through our whole panel of sisters. And I want to ask each and every one of you individually, what is a unique contribution that you bring to the dawah? And my reasoning and purpose behind that is I want to inspire other sisters to say, hey, look, we have a whole panel of sisters. We're all contributing to the dawah in different ways. Uh, and some of you have been doing this for years and years. So I want people to know to see it is a realistic goal and it can be realistically part of your life. So uh, perhaps let's uh, start with you, Iqra. What is a uh, unique or special contribution that you have been able to make in, uh, into the dawah? 
I guess uh, I, my style journey basically started with United IAW in mm -hmm. my first year of university. So once I had time, uh, once I had learned uh, what DAWA was and what was what I was doing, I started to um, take part in Sunday school and Saturday schools happening at um, the masjid and teach children there once I had that knowledge. And then, um, yeah, work with Saskatoon community and the Masajid and ICNA. And then one big opportunity I got was working with NYM Inc. And that was basically where I got to take part in not just having the knowledge, but building my character and how I represent Islam and the knowledge that comes with it. So that was, that is my biggest, um, that's, I don't know if it's a contribution to the, uh, to the community, but it's more mm -hmm. so a contribution to my own self-development. So that's, mm -hmm. that's the most unique one is NYM Inc. and working with them and taking part in Camp Sunnah and taking mm -hmm. part in Elm Circles. And even though I haven't had a Gen M, but like taking part in the effort um, and volunteering with them has been yeah, my greatest uh, point of like self-development and the most unique one. I think uh, for our audience might not be familiar with a lot of these programs. Iqra is basically talking about, you know, taking courses, being involved in Dawah to non-Muslims, to, you know, self-development, leadership training. So she's just made her entire life enriched by all these different programs that she sought out and she's starting to play uh i would say critical roles and major roles and and some of these things sheikh abdurrahman i know you have to leave very soon so i want to just cut to you before i go to the other sisters what uh, or who is a muslima that has inspired you well there are many subhanallah i would say in the Key role would be my mother, alhamdulillah. May Allah reward her blessing her in dunya and in the akhirah. I mean, she's been an inspiration, Ameen. patience, you know, alhamdulillah. And she basically was my first teacher, alhamdulillah. And you know, just thinking about it kind of brings me back. Yeah. I think I'll what, what is one of the, uh, the favorite lessons that she ever taught you? Like life lessons that she's ever taught you? Well, it's like I said, patience, you know, just seeing how patient she was doing everything with us, you know, we've made many moves in our past, in our life. And mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, she's always been there, that patient role model. And, you know, Alhamdulillah, that was inspiring to me in my entire life. And I can only make dua for her, Alhamdulillah. Uh, you know, there, of course, every one of us would be influenced by many. And, you know, she's one and there are many others as well. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Uh, Rida, what uh, is uh, a unique contribution that you make or a presence that you have in the da'wah? I think learning from the past MSA members who have taught me, you know, and made sure I take part in United IW and YM, um, one big thing would be sacrificing my ego. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not that if the person is older than you or they're younger than you, you need to treat them a certain way, act with them a certain way. You need to sacrifice your ego. Listen to what the other person has to say and involve people of different ages, different cultures. And, you know, it's important because that way you pass on the leadership to them. And without, you know, it always being about you and, you know, the little critiques that you need to do, you need to just hold on to that. Keep that to yourself. Listen to what others have to say and put them at the out front as well. 
Jazakumakhara, I think that's some uh, important lessons, you know, that many of us, I don't care if you're a brother or sister, we forget sometimes of, uh, you know, the biggest enemy can be your own ego. And the greatest champions and the greatest people who are accomplished are the ones that can overcome that, you know. Uh, Fiza, what is a unique contribution that you make to the Dawah? I think certainly a lot of the things that the previous sisters mentioned, but one of the biggest would be um, I never really considered myself interested in graphic design or managing social media in any way. But mm. subhanAllah, like I learned from a sister who taught me so much that I do enjoy it. And so mm. creating that kind of content with the right image and mm. even like developing a website because I'm studying computer science, so kind of putting more media out there that pertains to the true Islamic message. Okay, no, that's beautiful uh, that uh, even some of the skills that you're learning on your own or even professional skills, you're combining that with the dawah. Uh, Soraya, what is a unique contribution that you make for the dawah? I think for me, I'm pretty different than maybe some sisters in the sense of um, I didn't, like our family was never, we never grew up being religious. We always were Arab Muslim and we weren't Muslim and then Arab. And so um, I think for me, the Dawah is super important because like most of my family doesn't, is not involved in that. They don't um, take part in the Dawah and that's not something that's really important to them. And so I think for our future, I think it's just, it's just super important to like maintain that. Um, I have family who are Christian, um, who have gone on that path and like may Allah guide us all, but I think it's, um, it's probably, it's one of the most important things. It's, it's all we should be kind of striving for. So I think it's to protect ourselves and protect our future. And, um, yeah, just to make sure that we're all united on that front. And, uh, I, I just uh, I want to prepare the audience that uh, look out for the future that we might have a full art show and art gallery just solely based on uh, Soraya's uh, artistic works. Mashallah, my house is already turning into that, by the way. So uh, that's another major thing. And we need to, inshallah, promote, you know, things like this, because um, like I said, there's other people who get a lot of notoriety and we need to promote people who, again, principled, good character people that are making some very significant and positive contributions, not only to the Dawah, because if you're making a positive contribution to the Dawah, you're affecting positively the society that you live in. That is the essence and mission statement of Dawah. So people understand that because you're going to have like Orientalists and you're going to have haters who's like, oh yeah, Dawah means just like conversion. You know, Dawah means like elevation of the human being to getting closer to their Lord. And that's the best elevation that one can attain. And sometimes to elevate, you have to go down in sujood. Right, sisters? Right? All right. Uh, Sarish, um, what's a contribution, a unique contribution that uh, you make for the Dawah? I think, alhamdulillah, I've had, uh, you know, I've been blessed with a lot of opportunities from a younger age to be, to be involved and to be engaged in and see a lot of like my older cousins and family members um, getting involved. Um, so since I was about like, I would say 
13, 14, I started to see more of my family getting involved and being able to volunteer at a lot of the different like conferences and Dawa events um, that we have, alhamdulillah. So seeing that, um, it kind of motivated me and how I started wearing hijab at age 16. Um, so that was a, a really big motivating factor for me as well. And when I kind of started moving um, closer to that one, understanding the role that it could have in all of our lives. So alhamdulillah, I think having those opportunities um, growing up, especially throughout high school, um, has helped keep me steadfast. And having those volunteer roles has also given me a lot of opportunity to um, have leadership roles as well, alhamdulillah. And you know, even though sometimes um, I know for us sisters here, our, our pictures maybe aren't on the posters or anything like that, um, we're still doing a lot of those leadership roles in the background, which I think mashallah, everyone here is doing also. So, uh, you know, that's like even just being involved in that from before, like that was something I was able to alhamdulillah, um, also take presidency for MSA alhamdulillah, and continue on in those roles. So um, been very blessed that that empowerment ultimately comes from my deen and and really for the sake of that one, for the sake of Allah. Uh, Rabia, what is uh, a unique contribution you make uh, for the da'wah? Um, I, I just wanted to note too, um, Dr. Said, I think that for a lot of us, and we were kind of talking about it, is sometimes it's really mm -hmm. difficult to answer this question because we feel like um, a sense of humility and we feel awkward about answering it and we can't think mm -hmm. of anything. But I really appreciate that you asked this because I think that's why our narrative gets taken away from us because mm -hmm. we're too nervous or feel too... Um, maybe like feel a lot of sense of humility or feel like a sense of imposter syndrome where we feel like we don't have anything actually to, to put out there and, and share a narrative. So I appreciate you asking this. Um, I think for myself, I think I, it's a tough question for me to answer too, but I think for myself, um, I really love to read and write. Um, and for me, alhamdulillah, something like writing comes a little bit easier for me. So I think sometimes like a contribution that I can make to Dawah and something that I do is um, a lot of the time talking about putting out the true message of Islam on places where, you know, humans converge nowadays, which is the internet. So for me, a lot of the mm. time, I think one of the contributions that I bring and I try to bring is in um, communicating through those kinds of mediums. So writing, um, captions, things like that, so that, you know, when people are spending a lot of time online, they're able to actually see the true messages of Islam and, and meet people where they're at. So that's kind of one of the contributions that um, I, I hope to bring and I hope to continue to, to add. Uh, those are some amazing contributions to all of you. And so if you've been in the background sitting back and not uh, taking a significant role or really putting yourself out there in terms of getting involved in the dawah you have six evidences against you to show you that it is possible uh so you know it's the the time has come uh you know for um you to stop procrastinating if you've been sitting on the sidelines um if you have been involved it's always good to hear the experiences of other sisters so you can stay motivated and stay consistent uh, because it's it's difficult to be involved in anything for a long period of time, especially something that does come with very significant challenges. It's not easy to be involved uh, in the dawah. It, it takes an incredible amount of inner strength. And that's why, you know, when you see uh, other, uh, you know, figures being elevated and, uh, you know, uh, being glorified and saying, oh, you know, look at these you know, strong individuals, uh, you know, they don't have to deal with the level of scrutiny and the level of external challenges that these sisters are dealing with. And what we see here 
is that not only are they doing it with strength, not only are they doing it with dignity, but they're doing it in such creative ways, in such dynamic ways. And this is, I think, uh, something that we can all, inshallah ta'ala, get motiva- motivated from. We are going to um, conclude this session. I hope this is the first session again to launch many other sessions and, and panel discussions we can have with the sisters. There is so many different topics and issues uh, that we can discuss and we just scratched the surface of uh, just a few different topics. And uh, I think just watching it, we can see the depthness of contribution that these sisters are ready and willing to make. So Jazamakhir to our panel. Jazamakhir again to Sheikh Abdurrahman Murad uh, for being here with us. He had to, you know, leave uh, here uh, just at the end. But Jazamakhir uh, for his contribution as well. On behalf of the Lifehug team, thank you for watching this video. And for more clips and beneficial content, please subscribe to the Lifehug channel, your number one source for personal Islamic development. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.